The great Christian writer C.S. Lewis, when he was uh, growing older throughout the years there, he compared his aging process to the aging of his car, the vehicle that he drove. This is what he wrote. He wrote this. We must recognize, I'm afraid, that as we grow older, we become like old cars. More and more repairs and replacements are necessary. We must just look forward to the fine new machines, the latest resurrection model, which are waiting for us, we hope, in the divine garage. Some of us here know exactly what he's writing about, right? Some of us here, we come here feeling a little bit a little bit worn out. We've replaced a few too many parts. There's a little bit of rust on, on these bodies of ours. Yes, some of us here are feeling like shiny new models. We got lots of miles on us. We're ready to race. But I know a lot of us here have a few more repairs and replacements than we wish. And God has a message for all of us here who, who are starting to feel a little bit run down. And his message is that he still has an appointment, an assignment, and a purpose for us yet. He needs us. He needs us to endure for a little bit longer. He needs us to live with a spiritual endurance, a spiritual strength that keeps us going throughout all our years, and especially as we get up in our years. Because before we move on to that final resurrection model that's going to come, we've got some work to do in this model yet. See, too many times our society encourages us as we grow older to begin treating ourselves like those antique cars, right? Some of you have those antique cars that, that you don't drive to church and you don't drive in the winter. You keep them tucked away in your garage. You only bring them out maybe once or twice a year on the perfect day, maybe for the 4th of July parade, right? It's a show car, right? Because you don't want it to get hit. You don't want any damage done to it. You don't want it in the rain so there's no rust. So you keep it hidden away. And our society encourages us as we get older to park ourselves inside our condos and to park ourselves in the summer inside our cottages and to hide away and just wait for your next model to arrive. Well, God still has a purpose for us older models here. Right? And it's a special kingdom task that you younger models here are full of all their energy and power. You can't do it. It takes us older models. That task shows up in Psalm 145. Take out your Bibles. Turn with me to Psalm 145. We're going to be working our way through this chapter this morning. You want to keep your Bibles open. I'm not going to read all the verses, so my challenge to you is to take this home. Read it for your lunch devotions. Read the rest of the chapter for your evening devotions sometime. Read Psalm 145 today. Okay, Psalm 145, David begins in verses 1 and 2 by breaking out in a promise to God. Here's what he says. He says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. So he's going to praise God. And he goes on to say exactly why he's going to praise God in verse 3. Why? Because great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And now, starting in verse 4, comes our kingdom task. Listen to verses 4 through 7. 
One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Did you catch your task right there right away in verse 4? One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. All, all of us late model vehicles still on the road here, our task is to tell the next generation. Until the day we die, it's our calling to make sure the next generation after us hears the truth of God. Think about Moses. Remember the Old Testament hero Moses who led the people of Israel through, out of Egypt through the desert to the border of the promised land? Okay, when Moses was 120 years old, and he's on the verge of finding his new resurrection model, right? He's on the verge of, of dying. Before he did, he made sure that the next generation of the nation of Israel would know the stories, would be challenged to hear the truth of who God is. Right? The whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell speech. It's a final recap of all that God has done. It's a final challenge to the people of Israel and to us to tell the story. Right? And in chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, he lays out for the nation of Israel the very same challenge that David gave us in Psalm 145. Listen to these verses. He writes this. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. And he says this. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me and hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Twice. Twice he says, teach them to your children and to your children's children. He gives two commands. Verse 9. First of all, he commands us always to remember. Remember what God has done in our lives. Do not forget the things your eyes have seen. And then don't just remember, but then go and tell your children and tell your grandchildren all those things that you remember. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That's what God's purpose was and is all along. God gathered the people of Israel together. He spoke to them. He worked mighty miracles for them, not just so they would see and believe, but so that they would then tell others and others would know and believe. We need the words of the older generation to be spoken. We need to hear about the works of God in their lives because we weren't there. We, the younger generations, didn't see them, didn't experience them. So in Deuteronomy chapter 11, still Moses' farewell speech, he's talking to the parents and the grandparents, and he says this to them. 
Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. And remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, the signs he performed and the things he did in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to his whole country, what he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and its chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin on them. It was not your children who saw what he did for you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, the Reubenite, when the, when the earth opened up its mouth right in the middle of Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. But it was your own eyes that saw these great things the Lord has done. This generation standing before Moses was eyewitness to some pretty awesome things. He just listed them there, right? The ten plagues, the manna and the quail, the Dead Sea or the Red Sea crashing back over the Egyptian army, their clothes not wearing out in the wilderness. They saw some awesome works of God, but their children hadn't. Their grandchildren hadn't. There's a whole nother generation now that wasn't there. And if that first generation doesn't remember, and if they don't tell, then all these great works of God are soon to be forgotten. And God himself is soon to be forgotten. This senior generation is the only link that remains between the past acts of God and the present generation. And some of us here as parents and grandparents, uncles and aunts, are the only link that remains between the past acts of God in your life and the present generation. And if we don't remember, and if we don't tell, then all the great works of God in your life will be forgotten, and God himself may soon be forgotten. One generation must tell the next. That's how God designed it to work. And it works. Right? Be, because I heard my grandpa all throughout his life when he was alive, because I heard my grandpa remember and tell about living through the Great Depression, I recognize my financial blessing today. Because I heard Stacy's grandpa tell some stories about being a young man in Holland during World War II, during the German occupation. Because I heard that, I appreciate the freedom that I have and the safety I have all the more. Because I heard the disappointment in my grandfather's voice that he only got an eighth grade education, I appreciate the education I've received beyond eighth grade. And because I've heard my grandparents and my parents Remember and tell the stories of God at work in their lives. I too can see God at work in my life. One generation tells the next. And the message that we're called to tell 
isn't all that complex. Right? Moses in Deuteronomy, David in Psalm 145, they don't challenge us, older model generation here. They don't say to us, you know what, to the next generation, you need to go and explain the great doctrinal truths of the Christian faith. And they don't say to us, you need to go and reveal all the deep mysteries of faith and, and, and explain them all to them perfectly. No. Our challenge is to simply tell what we have seen, to tell the story of God in our lives, to share our own spiritual journey. Right? Moses says, tell your children the things your eyes have seen. It's as simple as that. The things your eyes have seen. What has God done in your life? What have you experienced? What is your story? Because no one can tell your spiritual story as well as you can. And if you don't know what to tell, if you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I don't know what to tell, I don't know what to say. Or if maybe you've already started to forget and you can't remember God's work in your life. Well, the whole rest of Psalm 145 is there to jog your memory. Need some help remembering what God has done in your life? Verse 8 tells us to start by remembering all the times God has been gracious and compassionate to you. Verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. So look back in your life. Look back through your history. Think about all the times that God was compassionate and gracious to you. All the times he gave to you what you did not deserve. Make a list of all those blessings, of what you did not deserve, of what he gave you in grace. All the things he gave to you, not because you are so worthy, not because you've earned them, not because of anything you've done, but because he's God and he loves you. Every good thing in your life is a gift from God, from his hand. Make a list of what those good things are. Remember them so that you can tell. And maybe the second column of that list needs to be the, the times God has been gracious and compassionate to you by not giving you what you did deserve. Right? Think about all the times God showed his compassion instead of his judgment. Think about all the times God chose to show you forgiveness instead of, instead of justice. Think about all the times God, God brought you through your foolish choices, your foolish actions, your bad decisions, and carried you through the other side and gave you another chance. Make that list. Remember so that you can then tell. If you still need some more memory jogging, you skip down to verse 13, the second half of 13. The Lord is trustworthy in all the promises uh, trustworthy in all the, his promises and faithful in all he does. God is faithful to his promises. To you. To me. He always is. So think about the promises that he's given you. Think about the fulfillment of all those promises in your life. God has promised to never leave you or forsake you. When in your life... Have you maybe been so forsakable that God had every reason to leave you? Maybe you told him to shove off, and he didn't. 
And he stayed because he's promised never to leave you and forsake you. God has promised to walk with you through all of life, even through the valley of the shadow of death. When in your life have you been walking through those dark valleys and God has been there? And he's carried you through to the other side. He's brought light into that darkness. God has promised that he will work all things, even the difficult things of life, for good for those who love and trust him. When in your life has Satan meant something for evil and God has used it for good? God has promised to forgive any sin, no matter the size, no matter how deep your guilt is. When have you gone to God confident that your sin was too great that there's no way he would forgive this. And he did. And he did. Make a list. Remember so that you'll be ready to tell. And finally, remember all the times in your life when God has shown you his great love. Right? Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all he does. That, that faithful there in 17 can be translated as loving, loving towards all he has made. It's a faithfulness to be a loving father. The Lord is righteous and loving you non-stop. So remember all the times when you felt alone and you called out to him and God came near to you. Remember all the times when you called out to him in fear and he came and lovingly wrapped you with his unexplainable peace and calm. Remember all the times God has been watching over you. He's on your right and your left, before you and behind. Remember that moment when you realize for yourself that God's love for you was so great that he was willing to sacrifice his own son, Jesus, for you. Not just for the world, but for you. Remember so you can tell. It isn't time to park your lives in the garage just yet. He said, God still has a purpose and a task for every single one of us here. With our voices, maybe, maybe in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, maybe in front of a video camera, maybe in writing on a piece of paper, in a card, in a diary, maybe in, in a short book even. We have a message to tell to the next generation. A message of what we have seen God do in our lives. A message of who God has shown himself to be to us. A message of a God who is gracious and compassionate and faithful and loving. Not just to, to the people thousands of years ago in this book. And not just the people hundreds of years ago who are ancient history but to us today to my grandpa and my grandma to my mom and my dad to me and my children we've got a message to tell that will be forgotten and will be lost if we don't tell it
Dave Whelan made sure that he didn't miss his opportunity to remember and to tell. Right, so as you know, hopefully from the bulletin announcement, hopefully you've been praying. A few weeks ago, Dave stopped treatment for his multiple myeloma. And that meant he knew that his time here on this earth was, was limited to, to days, weeks, maybe, maybe months at best. And it ended up being weeks. And he knew, once he stopped treatment, that he needed to tell his story to his grandchildren. And so those of you who follow his care page probably remember this message from about two weeks ago. Right, Dave, Dave found himself in his hospital bed in his living room. He had the goal of going to his grandson's Luke's 13th birthday party. And he realized that he was not going to be able to get there. He couldn't get out of bed. Huge disappointment. But he wasn't going to miss giving his grandson Luke a very significant gift on his 13th birthday. And here's what Betty wrote. She wrote, Luke will come here for a birthday hug and a present. He will also receive his Papa Dave's blessing, a handwritten summary of Bible verses and wisdom that have been personally meaningful on Dave's journey of faith and love of Jesus as his Lord and Savior. It will be a guide for Luke as he enters his teenage years. I watched Dave for two weeks pour over his Bible to find exactly what he wanted to say and write it down and rewrite it until it was exactly what he wanted. And Luke came over that day and he received that story from his grandpa, a spiritual story. All the grandkids came one by one and received that gift from their grandpa. And when I was with them this past Friday morning, they got the call that um, a couple of their grandsons wanted to come visit. They asked if they could come. Why? Because they found a Bible passage that they wanted to give back to him. And so they came and they read scripture back to him on Friday. One generation will tell the next. That's the way it works. Remember so that you can tell. My guess is some of us hearing Dave's story are thinking right now, I've never told my story. I've never told God's story in my life. I've never had a spiritual conversation with my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, whoever it is that's important in your life. How many of us here have chosen to stay silent about our stories? I'm so thankful Dave didn't stay silent. I'm sure his children and his grandchildren are thankful that he didn't stay silent. Remember and tell sooner rather than later. David ends Psalm 145 with a simple commitment. He starts the very last verse, verse 21, by simply declaring, my mouth will speak. My mouth will speak. He's not going to stay silent with his spiritual story. My mouth will speak. In other words, sign me up. 
I'm up to this challenge. I will tell my kids. I will tell my grandkids. I will tell my nieces and my nephews. I will remember and I will tell the story of what God has done in my life. I'm not going to retire yet. I'm not going to pull this, this vehicle into the garage and turn it off because my job isn't done. I will remember. And I will tell. Pray with me, would you? God, you have given each one of us a story, a God story, a story of you working in our lives and in our hearts. It's a story that you've given us so that we will tell it. And nobody knows it better than we do. And it's so easy, Father, for us to stay silent. I ask that you would give us the spiritual endurance to stay strong and to tell our story so that the next generation will hear of your great works in our lives, of your faithfulness, of your love, so that they might hear it and they might know who you are. And you might be able to write your story in their lives as well. So, Father, for those of us who feel like it's too late, that we've missed our chance, give us the strength to endure, and to rise up and say, no, I will find a way to tell my story. I will find a way to make sure that the next generation knows who God is and what he's done for me. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. This table helps 